Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five points of journalism. Who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode 36, where we chat with Maria. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, so Maria, who are you? So my name is Maria. I go by uh, she, her pronouns. I am 24. I work a pretty normal nine to five job and I'm Polly. All right. Um, that covers how you identify as well, it sounds like. Well, sort of. How, For, do, you, how do you identify? Let's just throw that in there. Anyway. It covers kind of, kind of half of it, right? Um, so I identify actually as bisexual with some flexibility and it's something I still am curious about exploring um, you know looking to delve more into with my current partner and I and Polly as well so um, however currently I am in a monogamous slash kind of monogamish situation all right and what drew you to polyamory um so I tend to find myself um I guess the best way to describe it in a way is all of my friends say that like if they could describe me in one word, it's unconditional. So I feel like I just have so much love to give people and I have so much capacity to really care about another person's happiness to the point where, you know, regardless of how I'm feeling, I always want my partner to be happy. And so it's been really easy for me to just kind of look beyond like the initial gut feeling of maybe jealousy or envy or anything like that and to really kind of find that compersion which of course I didn't even know was a word at the time um and I'd always kind of had many partners um at the same time when I was not in a relationship and I've always found it kind of limiting to just start off right off the bat and say you know yep this is it for the rest of our lives good luck with everybody else you know <laughs> and never really get the chance to explore other people or you know, kind of fill the gaps of whatever that relationship might be missing or whatever you might be looking for um, outside of that. So I started my journey back in January of 2019 um, into the poly community. And I met you guys all at your 10th anniversary party, which yeah. was really fun and been exploring it since that point forward. Well, great. So what does polyamory mean to you? Um, so polyamory means to me, knowing that no one person can be your everything and really kind of coming to terms with that. Um, I think that in a lot of very traditional monogamous mindsets, there's always this preface of like, well, I'm searching for the one, the one. And it's like the one what? The one best friend, the one companion that you want by your side the rest of your life. Why does that have to be a singular romantic partner why does that have to be someone that you get married to you know I don't necessarily subscribe to the fact that there is the one I mean people find their soulmate in a platonic partner and that's the one person that's by their side until the day they die so you know why did where did this idea come from that we have to suddenly meld all of these relationships into one relationship to just mean you know like that romantic life partner um, so I think for me, polyamory is really just about exploring, you know, 
that in whatever mindset you would like and not only just knowing that you can love multiple people either back to back or at the same time or with some overlap left and right or you know whatever it might be really letting yourself have the freedom to explore that in the way that you would like to explore that so what do you find difficult about polyamory I think what I find difficult about polyamory is having to explain being at least per so personally for me, I don't necessarily, you know, think that everybody goes through this, but for me personally, I found it very difficult to explain being okay and not just okay, but happy in a monogamous relationship or happy seeing multiple partners and only maybe dating one of them. Um, I feel like in poly, there are a lot of very similar, you know, obviously everybody's poly is different, very thumbprint like, you know, but I feel like there are a lot of very similar builds, um, you know, where maybe a sexual partner is almost always a romantic partner of some sort, you know, so you always have like another relationship, whether that's, um, you know, another primary partner or another secondary partner, or maybe you do no hierarchy. For me, um, especially when I practiced poly, I always found that it was kind of difficult to explain to people that I was dating, dating, you know, like seeing actively would call my boyfriend or girlfriend um, or like romantic partner that I enjoy having casual sex with people that I don't identify as like a boyfriend, girlfriend or other, you know, as well. So they were like, well, I just don't, you know, they're like, well, what makes me different then? And I'm like, well, because I care for you on a much deeper level. That's the whole point of polyamory instead of just being single, right? Right. So um, I feel like that's been kind of difficult. And then when I transitioned with my current partner back to practicing monogamy, I think that a lot of people were like, well, you were never truly poly then. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that you made those decisions, you know. There's a poly <laughs> court and I've been found not poly. Right. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I felt. So um, I think just explaining to people how I can want to be monogamous with someone while still identifying as poly um, and still be happy and not feel like I'm giving something up mm-hmm. per se. So I would definitely say that that's been the most difficult part of being polyamorous for me. Yeah, that sounds really challenging. Um, When did you first know that you were poly? Um, I would say it probably was pretty recent. Um, I, like I said, I really hadn't even explored what it was like to be poly or really learned enough to know really what ethical non-monogamy as a whole was. Um, other than like, don't be terrible and be super truthful and be open and communicative. But I feel like that's pretty across the board, monogamous or poly doesn't really matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Anyone. Fingers crossed. Those are good for anyone. Yeah. A lot of times when we ask that question, people like, oh, I didn't realize it until, you know, I started developing this vocabulary. But looking back, I can see, you know, in my history, things that should have been clues that I just didn't understand at the time. Right. Right. I would definitely say it was more um, just being in a relationship that allowed me to practice polyamory and really kind of test it out. Um, So I feel very lucky. My first polyamorous partner who was previously on this podcast, um, he was really great and he was super encouraging and wanted me to go out and find, you know, new partners and stuff like that. And so that was really the first time I got to 
kind of find out like, is this for me or do I maybe need to keep looking for something different? Um, and I think that I really just felt good and at home with knowing that there is not only just a partner that wanted me to go and find absolutely anything and everything, but also a partner that also wanted to be there for me in whatever capacity that I wanted. So I would say that first relationship, my first poly relationship was definitely like the, yeah, I, I am, I think I'm poly. Yeah, no, I'm poly. Yeah. (laughs) So that was the deciding factor. That's awesome. When did you feel different? Or do you feel different than uh, other, I guess, normal people, the average person? Um, I think that I would say that I felt different when I I always kind of jokingly kept track of numbers. I, I my One of my first boyfriends made me feel absolutely awful for having seven sexual, total sexual partners. Um, and this was like in high school. And I just was like, that, wait why it wouldn't what magical number am I supposed to be under you know and so I then from that point forward as I started to explore my own sexuality and see new people and stuff like that I just started keeping track just you know for both my own sake so I know my sexual health and stuff like that um and other things but it was like from that point forward the higher the number got in terms of sexual partners the more I would talk to other people and they'd be like oh and I was like what do you mean oh like (laughs) I think that's great there are a lot of people that are into me you know not not in a braggart way but like that's very cool and like I've gotten to really try and explore things and I guess I've had the audacity to try and explore things which um you know I, I feel like that's definitely something that not necessarily everybody has and for the record I don't necessarily mean that everybody has to go and have a bunch of partners or anything but just the more should do what they want to do right right? and you don't need to make someone feel bad for making a very different life choice from you yeah you know and I think that that was kind of the start of me really trying new things and trying things that were considered quote-unquote unusual Um, and so the more that I kind of tried new things and found things I liked and didn't like and stuff like that I could at least pinpoint and say this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is something that I like sometimes. And this is something I like all the time. And the more that I even just had those answers, I felt different from other people in the sense that I feel like a lot of people don't really know what they like or don't like. They're just kind of, they're like, oh, well, I had this sexual experience. I was like, was, was it good? And they're like, well, I guess. I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) I mean, did you, you know, did you feel good during it? Did you feel like people were, you know, conscious of your boundaries and what you wanted to try? Did you get to talk about it? And they're like, well, well who talks during sex? I was like, everybody <laughs> should be talking during sex. What kind of a question is that? You know, so unless it's been pre-communicated, right. you know, it's just. Or perhaps there are moments between talking, but. <laughs> right. You know, it's just more thought out. Like clearly yeah. there are a lot of people who really haven't thought about these things yet. And I would say that that's kind of the delineation of what makes me feel kind of different is I really sit down and like think about all these things. And I really will flat out say like, you know, I haven't thought about that yet, but I'm, I'm going to go think about it right now for the next like three hours. Then we can talk about it later. So right. I would say that that I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I feel like I had follow up questions, but I lost track of them. 
Sorry about that. No, not your fault at <laughs> all. If I didn't ramble so much, I'm no, sure no, it was no, great. No. Conversation. Well, I think the the conversation about like keeping track of numbers is one that yes. we maybe haven't had before. And I do, well, maybe we have. I don't actually remember. No, I, don't, but, I don't think we have. Uh, I do think it's really interesting because I, I would say that I kept really close track of numbers as well. I still do to an extent, um, but there were so many times in which I was like, well, that wasn't sex. And then I was like, well... I mean, but it was sex. So, like, what the hell? What is the definition and of what sex? Is, what Always is sex? A challenging and I was like, question. if I have sex with my clothes on, like, no bodily fluids exchanged whatsoever, but sexual things happened, was that sex? And I, I think I did. I might have said this at one point where I was like, well, to according to a doctor, like, no, not really, because like, n- there's no possible way that I could have gotten pregnant or an STI because literally no genitals touch one another. But emotionally I don't like that definition maybe. of sex exactly right 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 but like for an STI status it probably doesn't actually make a difference in That's my fair. number in right. my scheme of numbers yeah. right um, but, but if somebody is asking you questions about your STI status based on what's your total number ever in your life then that seems like a wrong way to approach it <laughs> unless True. I don't know I, I get it and I don't mm-hmm. like I, I you know I understand I mean if the number is one or zero that might be right. a useful point of information but well and then it's you like, really get to the question of what are your practices and what are your partner's practices that would be more indicators of risk factors and i i think i've also found people who don't keep track like and they're like oh it's just yeah it's too many account and i'm like well don't you do, do you <laughs> I, 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 it matters here. to me because <laughs> i would like to know how mm-hmm. many partners you've slept with since your last test Right. So well, that's, I think, a different question. Too. And I think that that's actually what's helped me keep track as my numbers got much higher is I've been able to. So I kind of have a rule of thumb mm-hmm. um, where it's either every five partners or every three months, whichever comes first. And I make very, very careful sureness of being able to find that person later through either my phone or Facebook preferably both, you know, or I guess some other social media doesn't really matter. But I try to make sure I always know how to reach that person back out again, if something does come up, Mm -hmm. right, because I, I find it very irresponsible, you know, whether you're at two or 20 or 200, if you have no idea how to contact your last partners, right. So beyond the point of five, for me, it's always been not nearly as manageable. So that's been my absolute cutoff. It's usually much sooner before then. But that's definitely my approach to it is, you know, if I can at least recount, okay, well, it's been with this person, this person, and this person. It's been a while since I've been tested. I'm going to go get tested before it gets to the point where I can't keep track. And then, <laughs> yeah. luckily, I So I've... I don't try to keep track. Um, oh, I okay. did keep track when I was younger, and then I was married for a while, and then I didn't have sex for a really long time while I was married. And I think I made the conscious choice to not even try to keep track after I left my marriage. Um, So for me, looking at risk would be more driven by what kind of behaviors am I doing and then periodic testing, but not driven by a volume question, but more Mm. by a behavior question. And then sort of also with a time factor in there. That makes sense. And I I feel like if you're you know, if you have some sort of fluid bond, that definitely affects things too, right? You know, so like if you are fluidly bonded with maybe one or two people 
and then all of your other sexual encounters are with some sort of protection, especially like a latex condom or something like that, that definitely will affect your, you know, risk factors as a whole um, versus like if you have unprotected sex with three people, your risk factors are much higher than someone who has protected sex with like six people. Right. So, or if you're engaged in behaviors where there's no fluid exchange. Right. Correct. Right. Yes, that too. Which, you know, again, as we were discussing earlier, the definition of sex can be not always obvious. And I count a whole lot of things in the category of, yes, we did have sex. But I understand that my definitions are probably broader than a lot of people's. I definitely have a broad definition of sex. And I think when it comes to um, STI testing. I mean, my rule of thumb, and so is my husband's, is that it's like every six months regardless. But um, if something occurs that was maybe an accidentally risky uh, engagement, then then maybe the testing will come up sooner. Um, a, a condom breaking or slipping off or um, whatever the case may be. Um, mm-hmm. Which has happened. And, you know, we all get yeah, tested like, and it's fine. Yeah. And it's exactly, yeah, it's like, okay, well... Uh, you do what you got to do. Right. There's uh, low risk and there's no risk. And we're yeah. engaged in trying to do low risk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and honestly, like, <laughs> I like to joke that, like, there is in the community, one of the, the STIs that nobody talks about is the flu. Like, that's the biggest <laughs> risk that all of us get. And I mean, my partner had a cold and I knew going into his apartment that he had a cold and I was like, it's fine. It'll be fine. And then I got a cold and maybe not from him. Maybe it could have been from anyone. And then my husband now has the sniffles and I'm like, oh, okay, wow. So uh, this is really a problem right, <laughs> that right. we should consider more. But, you know, and, and it's the same kind of risk and reward. Oh, the reward was I got to hang out and have a really nice date with my partner. And the risk was I probably am going to catch a cold. Sure enough, I did. And the same, I, I feel the same way about sex is that, well, if you in, indulge, whatever, in like risky behavior, something might happen, something might not. But um, if if something does happen, well, you you deal with it. You get antibiotics or you get cold medicine or you get, you know, like you stay in bed for a day because you don't want to go to work that day because you feel bad. But otherwise, it's not a big deal. And yeah, I don't know. I, I think the there's a lot of stigma around STIs, of course. And much less stigma about getting a cold. Yeah, it's it's just like a thing that happens in life. And if you are a sexual being that has a lot of sexual partners, there's a lot of reward in that and potentially a small risk of having an STI one day. And that's a fact of life and whatever, you know. But <laughs> Just to clarify, I apologize if my reference and frame of like the term like having sex is much more narrow and I don't oh, no, mean no, to no. discredit I mean, people can use any of your experiences. You know, no, no, no. So. I didn't take it that way at all. It's just a conversation. Yeah, I think that um and, and, it's and actually, I like to oh, oh sorry. <laughs> I like to have that conversation with, with partners because I will and I have in the past, like when I was very newly poly, when I was like twenty one years old, I would inadvertently slash totally on purpose lie to my my p- partner who was who wanted to know if I had had sex with another person who I went on a date with, right? And I would say, no, no, we did not have sex. And in my head, I'd be like, I mean, we had oral sex and that's not sex, right? So it doesn't matter. And I don't have to tell him about that because he's only going to get mad about it anyways because he was a super control freak and he was always trying to prevent me from doing anything that I wanted to do. And 
because we did not have a good relationship and we couldn't communicate, I lied. And that's, that sucks. (laughs) I was, I was cheating on my partner, you know? And, um, and it wasn't until they found out about it, because it would come out eventually that we would have a conversation about it. They would get mad at me and rightfully so because I lied, but also not rightfully so because they were trying to control my body. Um, and, and then I had to actually come to terms with the fact that like oral sex is sex, hand sex is sex, you know, like, uh, and it got to a point where I was like, well, if somebody uses a toy on me through my clothes and it's sexual (laughs) during the heat of the moment, even though no bodily fluids are being passed whatsoever, that's sex too. So, uh, at least according, you know, like, like I said, like when I'm talking to my partners about this, that is sex. And so, right, um, you, you brought in the umbrella from just yeah. PIV right. to mm-hmm. make sure that you're not like withholding information. Yes, exactly. Right. Well, and I have one relationship that is with a cis straight man who, um, has not previously had poly relationships and he really came at it from a very like we have not had sex because we have not had piv sex and Mm -hmm. i'm not ready i don't want to have piv sex yet and i was like hey your boundaries are whatever like i don't want you to do anything you don't want to do and i think we've been having sex for like two months (laughs) (laughs) like uh, as far as i am concerned you know you are now in bed with a queer woman and we have been naked there have been orgasms we have definitely had sex so you can have your you know straight guy definition but i'm gonna (laughs) give you shit about it and you know i've kind of backed off from giving him shit because that was not very nice but um you know and 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 it also, I think, made it harder for him to understand that I really do respect his boundaries. Like, this is not a thing I am attached to doing. I enjoy it, but I'm there's plenty of things I enjoy, and we can do any number of things that are lots of fun for both of us, and not that. Right, and if you... And, and that's kind of the nice thing about being able to have those conversations and, you know, choosing partners who are very open and talking about those topics, even if you maybe don't necessarily agree, then you can be like, look, well... I'm going to consider pretty much this whole umbrella term sex. And if that concept makes you uncomfortable, totally okay. We can dial it back. And then you can come back and be like, you know, if you only want to say why, you know, don't want to have PIV sex yet, then that's cool too. You know, I'm great with whatever, but I'm letting you know that like if someone else asks, like, you know, I'm counting you as a sexual partner. If you decide you don't want to count me as a sexual partner, that's your business right (laughs) and hopefully you don't talk to literally anybody that i talk to because (laughs) right right you know because it's like well then there's two different stories here and i I just like to be on the same page as my partners to to know that if if something else happens sexually with other people and they want to talk to me about that that like we both have the same definition generally of what sex is and what um, we count, you know. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> this person really enjoys both hearing and telling stories. So there's no question about like, well, did you have sex or not? There's, well, first we did this, and then we did that, and then we did this, and then we did that, and it was so fun. And oh my god, we should try that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Or it was a little weird. I don't think I want to try that again. But I'm glad I did it at least once. <laughs> right, right. You're like, mm, um, 
I tried like, really? it. You did and that? I, that's interesting. And yep, hmm. and I cannot do that again, and that's okay with me. <laughs> like, oh, we could maybe try that once in a while. <laughs> right, right. I think it's very interesting just as a total side note, and I know it's got nothing to do with what we're talking about today, but I think it's very interesting to talk to people, and it's almost like if they enjoy something like one time, you know, like they try something and they enjoy it, they suddenly feel like they need to incorporate it into every sexual encounter from that point forward. And after a certain point in time, I'm like, okay, well, you can't do that, 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 and that, you know, or maybe you liked it a little bit, but not a lot. You don't have to do it every time. You can, <laughs> you can be like, I, yeah, I like this, you know, maybe once a month, one, once a quarter without having to incorporate it in every sexual encounter that you have with like a partner and I feel like because a lot of millennials or even just people that are sexual in the world right now learn sex from porn, they think they have to do a checklist of like 10 things. You know, you start with this and then you move on to this and you never spend more than three minutes doing any one position and continue to do this and this and this. And uh, it can be, I guess, it can be really fun for a lot of people or it can be a total pain in the ass. Or kind of exhausting. <laughs> or like you feel obligated. You're like, you're like, hey, missionary, you know, has been great for us. But like, you know, I, I guess we've hit this random arbitrary <laughs> amount of time that we now suddenly have to switch it to a different position that's like not nearly as enjoyable for anybody here. But we've hit that arbitrary amount of time. Right. So this would not work in a porn. So therefore we should switch, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think that that is a unfortunate I don't know, and detriment to the generation that we are all part of, that it's like that porn generation, right? Uh, <laughs> we've learned too much from porn and not enough from actually having sex right. and multiple partners and And, and having conversations. Exploring. Right. Like, what do you like? Are you enjoying yourself? Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I kind of, my hip is starting to not enjoy this position. Can we move? You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. I think that makes things so much better. All right. I think it's my turn to ask a question. Mm -hmm. All that came from when did you feel different? (laughs) That was fantastic. So where are you on your poly journey? So on my poly journey right now, I am currently in a monogamous relationship. So which is kind of a almost an oxymoron to say. (laughs) Well, it sounds like there's a story there. There is a story there. So I, um, I was about... I would say six or seven months into my poly journey. um, And I had only one partner at that point in time. And um, I also frequent Tinder. It's one of those really strong love hate relationships (laughs) that like it kills time very well. And I like to play this game in my head where I pretend if I swipe left, that person disappears off the face of the planet. <laughs> so it, it's like much more exciting when I'm like left swiping people all of a sudden. I feel like, like a so super much villain. power. Right. <laughs> the power. So, um, so I like to kind of just do that in my free time. And I ended up right swiping on this guy and um, I'm just, you know, killing time and stuff like that. And, I end up inviting him over and we meet and we just instantly click. Um, And fortunately, my one poly part, well, partner, not even just poly partner, my one partner at the time and I had had a conversation a couple months prior where I had said, yeah, you know, I I really am looking for a relationship escalator and 
I don't mind going back to monogamous relationship to get that. Um, you know, whether it's to reduce explanations or to just, you know, not expedite the process, but make it more smooth. Um, you know, cause I think that it is in today's current society, it is much more difficult for poly partners to have a, you know, openly poly partners to have that relationship escalator without having to explain themselves all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think sometimes we talk about relationship escalator like it's a bad thing, but it's not a bad thing. It's a descriptive thing. Like you yes. might want it, you might not want it, and both are valid choices or desires. You right. just have to hope that if that's what you want, you find a partner who also wants that. Right. And and that's kind of something that, um, you know, I'd really kind of approached that topic because my partner at the time had asked me, you know, so what are you looking for out of poly? And I was like, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm cool with or without the poly. These are the things that I really want. And I know that I have the capacity to love pretty much, I feel like everybody all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I, I do have like the capacity to just really unconditionally love someone. And if that means in a monogamous relationship, cool, whatever, if that means that, you know, maybe for whatever reason, you need to go out and find something else in addition. Awesome. But you definitely have to tell me all the little secrets. I just want to know everything all the time. And you have to tell me how the date went. You have to tell me how the food was and all that kind of stuff. So when I ended up, when I ended up meeting this guy in Tinder um, of like all the places and we just totally hit it off um, and we had started talking more and more about going into a monogamous relationship because he had previously come from monogamous relationships. When I then talked to my poly partner, I said, hey, you know, this is something that I think I would like to explore and do. And I want you to know that it doesn't mean that I don't care about you or that I didn't value our time together. It's just you have a wife and I, you know, I can't, that's not something that is meant for us. I can't get the relationship escalator out for this. And I'm really lucky they were very understanding, especially, and I definitely think it helped to have that conversation ahead of time saying, I am okay going back to monogamy. Um, and so that person I now consider a very good friend of myself. Um, I'm lucky enough to be really good friends with pretty much all of my previous partners. And I've now entered into this monogamous relationship with who I'm currently dating. All right. Well, and... Um... This is an interesting question for like this topic, but where do you hope to go on your poly journey? Like, do you anticipate that you will be poly again one day or that you and your partner might open up? It's possible, but not necessarily. So the conversation about opening up our relationship um, never really started from a, hey, at some point in time, I'm going to want to open this up again. It was initially just like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we like brought someone home sometime, you know, and included like a third person. Um, And there was never any like negative feelings towards making that a regular thing, you know, and I I think that bringing home like a third or a fourth or fifth or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't keep track of, you know, that kind of stuff. Numbers. You don't keep track of numbers. I don't keep track of numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that was never like a conversation that they were uncomfortable with. I'm lucky that my partner's just really, really open-minded to, I I swear, like everything under the sun, I could be like, hey, I want to clone a dinosaur tomorrow. And they're like, okay, not in the house because we don't <laughs> have they room. Fit? Right. Yeah. You know, it's more like logistics. He's a very logistical person and much like very planny. Um, so 
and also like came down to logistics. Um, but um, we ended up that might get in the way of like a fifth or a sixth person <laughs> because I know the engineering know. of the bed may be a problem. <laughs> well, and then you know, and then he starts thinking about well, like well, what if somebody needs snacks or what if somebody gets thirsty? Who's going to like go get all the snacks? And then, you know, it's so we have yet to get to that point. But it's always been kind of something that we had pretty excitedly talked about. Um, and then my partner being super open-minded um, and I started having conversations even like, I think it was like the third date, which I guess was day three, really. Um, like after knowing each other for three days, we were like, you know, what does sex look like in a long-term relationship to you among a whole bunch of other questions that we've talked about and stuff and it you know our answers were very similar it was like you know I, I'd really like to have sex like two to three times a week with my um you know partner and I think that as someone who is who's their number one love language is touch and affection that's very important to me and um, my partner, you know, reciprocating said, like, yeah, you know, that's that's kind of what I would be looking for too, my ideal matchup. Then as things kind of panned out, it turned out that in actuality they had just have a lower libido than I do and they would be okay with like once a month, maybe once every couple of weeks. And that's been kind of a struggle for us. Mm -hmm. Um and it was very surprising for both of us. Um, but I'm really lucky that they are really, really, um, conversive and we talk about it as often as we want to slash need to, um, you know, there, we don't even really need to set aside time to do it. It'll be like when we're just sitting, eating dinner together, I'll be like, Hey, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll have a conversation about it. So interestingly enough, this kind of then morphs back more into a poly space than a monogamish space because, we had discussed, hey, I, you know, I, Maria, I'm not really getting what I want out of this relationship, you know, in terms of sexual intimacy. I feel loved. I feel appreciated. I feel cared for. It's everything that I was hoping for, but I don't feel sexually desired. And I'm not saying this to make you feel bad, but I'm saying I don't, you know, for me personally, that feels like a very dumb reason to break up when there are other options we could at least try first, which included opening the relationship. So it's something that we've talked about um, and it's something that we are open-minded to but have not decided to execute yet. So it's it's something that we are thinking on still. But I think the the tough thing for me is knowing that my partner does identify just primarily as monogamous um although they are very open to other things they're kind of more heteroflexible than anything um and they had expressed desires to explore other options and stuff like that previously and so i think that if we did open up the relationship they would not just remain monogamous i think that they would take that opportunity then to go explore other facets and other options as well which i i hope they do why would you say that you are poly um, I'd say I'm poly because I I do absolutely feel the capacity to um to really love and care for multiple people at once. I don't you know, and it, I feel like it's a very dangerous phrase to say, but I don't really feel jealousy. Um and I just really do want like, you know, whatever makes my partner happiest and now that 
I feel, um, you know, over the years I have very poor self-esteem and stuff, but now that I'm, you know, kind of up and coming young in my twenties, you know, go get them, fight them type attitude. I feel much more empowered to really not settle for things that I don't want. And so I don't necessarily feel that settling into a monogamous relationship when I could want more is a good fit for me. Um, you know, like I had said before, some people are saying like, well, you're not really poly if you're in a monogamous relationship. And I'm like, does that mean that if I'm bi and I marry a woman, I'm no longer attracted to men? Like, oh my God, this yep, is sorry, a revelation no, you're a lesbian. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and it's like that how I identify is not necessarily what I have to practice. And these are the choices that I've made and I get to not quote unquote deal with, but I get to embrace the consequences of them, both good and bad. So mm-hmm. I, you know, on one hand right now am not in an open relationship, so I can't really go seek out other sexual exploits or anything like that. But that doesn't mean that I don't get dinner every night with my favorite person and I don't get to sit and watch Grace and Frankie <laughs> and I don't get to play Mario Party, which we just picked up like last night, which is a total hoot. 10 <laughs> out of 10 would recommend, you know, so it's. It's very much just not only knowing and accepting the quote-unquote consequences of that decision, but being happy and at peace with them as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say that that's why I can still identify as poly, even though I'm in a monogamous relationship. Sure. And I feel like that mentality, like, where does that leave single people? They're no longer poly or monogamous, right? Like, it's... Right. Well, like, I guess you're just alone. (laughs) Or if you have two relationships and someone breaks up with you, now you're monogamous. You don't get to be poly anymore. Right. Because you've been broken up with. Like, that sucks. Right. So I just don't like the idea that other people get to dictate whether or not you're poly, you know. Or any of your identities. Right. Right. Yeah. I feel like poly as a verb... Uh, what you're doing that can come and go. Uh, but poly as an identity doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't. And for a lot of people, I feel like it doesn't. Um, and for po- some people, it does. They're like, no, I'm monogamous now. I was poly. Now I'm monogamous. Same as a lot of poly people used to be monogamous. If your identities can change and are flexible sometimes. But for me, I was actively as in a verb monogamous during my pregnancy. I decided that I did not want to date while pregnant. And that was a choice I made. I was a I was poly the whole time, though. Right, you weren't not poly. <laughs> I was you just a poly were choosing to be monogamous. I just was not dating for this period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've actually heard another person say that their their poly saturation point is one, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that's a I good way to that. say it. Yeah, I actually really love that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'm not monogamous per se, but I'm only one to date one person right now, and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, and I think that's definitely an aspect of identity and behavior where life happens exactly. and your polysaturation point at one stage of your life may be totally different than it is at another it stage could of be your zero. life. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why did you agree to be interviewed today? Um, so I actually offered to be interviewed. <laughs> you did, yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, wait, this, is, this question is wrong. <laughs> um, I think that it's really important to kind of make sure that people understand that poly is an identity and not just a practice um and that again you can make different decisions with your life you know whether it's to date one person or no people whatsoever you know and um to just kind of be by yourself but still identify as something because i think that everybody nowadays tries to take 
your actions and make them the definition of your identity. And in, in a sense, obviously, you know, if your actions are, you know, doing something. Um, so, for example, if you're seeing multiple people, you might not even know that you're poly because you've never heard the term, but mm -hmm. maybe that's what you're practicing. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it has to be that way or that you absolutely have to date multiple people at the same time in order for things to still apply to you or or for you know and this is a really dumb example or for you to like get the memes on the page you know <laughs> and laugh at the jokes and still have that like commiseration that you get with other people mm -hmm. totally all right so we are going to take a short break and we will be right back The Toolshed is a mission-driven, education-based sex toy store located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. All right, so we obviously um, started talking about your topic a little bit in the, in the first half, but let's talk about being poly in a monogamous relationship. I have a million questions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm excited to answer your questions. And I'm usually not a person who has questions. I'm usually like a, tell me a thing. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I'll ask a question halfway through. But um, I'm really curious about how um, how it was for your partner to start dating somebody who identified as Polly and, like, what kind of process they went through to think about this. Like, you've said a lot about how open-minded they are. But you also have decided to be in this monogamous relationship. So there's 
there's got to be something in that space. Some, some gray space there. Yeah. And like, like conversations happen in that space. And I'm curious about those conversations. Absolutely. So, um, of course, I can't fully speak for my partner because they are not the one being interviewed. Um, however, I, when we met, it was just a, it, it's almost as if you are monogamous and you just got out of a divorce and you go on like your first, you know, date or two from eHarmony and you're like, <laughs> you know, in like your 40s and you're like, well, I want to get married. I want to have kids. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. I'll never live here. This is what my family's like. Now you go. And like that's like your first date. And it, it's ironically very similar to that. So I went in just being... 100% authentically myself. And I was like, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I'm looking for. You know, in the long run, and it wasn't even necessarily out of that date. It was more just like, come exist in my space while I kill some time. And I have really bad word vomit all the time. So I'm just going to tell you my entire life story, even though we may never see each other again. And <laughs> sorry, you're here for it, though. <laughs> so I'm like, you showed up, so you chose us. So <laughs> if you don't um, consent, you can get up and leave. <laughs> right. I'm like, you You know where the door is. You let yourself in. Like, you know where the door is. When you're done listening to me talk, you can leave. And he actually didn't leave for like three days, which was very cool. So, um, but... You know, I started off by saying that these are what I'm looking for. I currently have a partner um, and they're very great, but they also know that I would be going willing to go back to monogamy. However, I'm not necessarily looking for a relationship in either direction, you know, poly or monogamous. I what as right. long we as just it works. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think that just being as open and honest with my partner as I was right from the get-go really set the tone and he had just gotten out of a relationship about a year prior um with someone and they had a lot of communication issues which surprise surprise a relationship ended because of communication issues mm -hmm. um luckily he had gone to therapy um which I highly recommend everybody does um and he had really had more conversations both with his therapist and with himself to kind of identify what he likes and doesn't like and all of that kind of stuff. So the more that we talked, the more we found things in common and the more I explained to him in a monogamous relationship, you wouldn't have to worry about me cheating because I would just leave you if it wasn't working for me anymore. Or I would have a conversation about opening it up or, you know, whatever. I'm not going to ever just cheat on you and be like, well, I'm poly. You know, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and I'm very thankful that I've earned that I earned his trust very quickly and we were able to build the relationship and the trust that we have now. So um, I feel like a lot of our conversations just are inherently built off of that trust, you know. So when I go out dancing with the girls out at like the club or whatever, he doesn't have to worry about me, you know making out with someone else or doing anything sexual with someone else or anything like that because he has that inherent trust built that if it gets to that point where I absolutely feel like I need to like I'll just call him and be like hey like we need to talk and then it wouldn't even be just like I'm gonna go do this bye and like hang up it's like hey very clearly I'm having you know these desires to be with other people we should really have another conversation about x y and z or do I have these desires to be with other people because maybe there's something wrong going on in our relationship and we should address it, you know, just these different aspects. And 
Well, when you first started seeing each other, you had another partner. Yes. Um, well, so before we like officially started dating, I had another partner. Um, and before my my partner and I like officially started dating, I went back to my current poly partner and essentially had to end things with him to be like, hey, you know, I met someone new. We've been talking about being monogamous. Um, and then that's kind of how that conversation. And that all ensued. happened very fast at the front end of the relationship. Yes. Okay. Yes. So um, just because I was like, oh, like this is like every single box that I could have possibly imagined. Then I found the, you know, some more boxes that if my current partner and I ever break up will now be permanently on the list. And you have to absolutely check them if, you know, it's going to work out in the future. So um, my poly and partner and I ended things. And then I began this relationship um, monogamously. But I always told him, I was like, you know, depending on the issue, we should consider poly an option. I know you've never practiced it before. I'm not saying we have to jump right in. But, you know, I've had really great experiences with it. And I don't, you know, think that it should fix a relationship. But I think that it can fill holes in a relationship. And I and I always say, like, the biggest, um, at least most obvious example would be, like, if you have a particular kink that your partner does not share, you shouldn't have to give up that kink just to be with this person that you love very deeply and care about. You just find a way to make it work by kind of filling the hole, maybe augmenting it with another partner or something like that, you know? Or if I found that I am just, you know, really craving the touch of, you know, someone who identifies as female or something like that. I don't get that from my very strongly cis-presenting male partner, you know, and that's not a fault of his. That's not that our relationship is poor. It's not that he's not amazing. And, you know, it's just like 10 out of 10 of the best man I've ever met. Just not it's a, a thing woman's you want touch. in your life <laughs> and right. not a thing that is available from him. Right. And so... Um, you know, he initially had reservations about it just in the sense he's like, well, are you sure you would really be willing to give all of that up? And I was like, well, yeah, that's a decision I'm making and I'll have to live with that decision. And that's not to be, you know, a negative, like that's not saying it negatively. It's just, it's a decision I'm making. Just like you're choosing to date me in a monogamous relationship. That means you stop talking to, you know, everybody else that you're dating. It doesn't, change anything you just make these choices and you you know kind of do checks along the way to see if you're still happy with them right. sorry if that didn't no 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 no, no i was like i don't even remember yeah. what the question was <laughs> that it totally answered the question i don't remember what the question was either, but i'm confident it answered the question. you're like i'm sure it was close enough i wanted you to talk about how that was and how that kind of those conversations went and you did okay perfect <laughs> I guess I was also wondering, how do you explore um, while doing monogamy as a verb? Or do you kind of put that on hold? Um, do you flirt with other people? Is it everything but sex? You know, like, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, where do you, where, what kinds of lines do you draw or boundaries do you draw? Or? Um, so... We, and did you negotiate them? I want to. I want to kind, add that into we the didn't question negotiate too. them, but we talked about things that we were comfortable with and realities of personality. So I know very much I am just a very flirtatious person, and it is not because I don't care. It's not because I don't love you. It's just that's just who I am, and 
you know, it's one of those things where like 90% of the time I don't really know I'm doing it. And then they're like, wow, you're hitting that on that person pretty hard. It was like, oh, was I? Like, <laughs> okay. I, guess, I mean, I guess I was if you're saying I was, you know. But um, he he's previously dated people in the service industry and in, in particular mm. who have been bartenders, you know, or um, cocktail waitresses and stuff. So it's like, well, there's a part of that where it's like the more you flirt, the larger your tip. Yeah. And so he quote unquote got used to being comfortable with that pretty early on in his previous relationships because he's like well we're in a monogamous relationship and I can't really stop you from flirting with anybody and honestly like I'd be pretty pissed if you made out with someone but I don't think it would be like a breakupable offense you know if you went out and had and at the time his definition of sex was pretty narrow but it was like oral manual or um, PIV with someone else, absolutely, you're cheating, like, end of the conversation there. So we kind of started off by saying that, and I was like, you know, I, I'm going to apologize right now, and I'll probably do it later as well if it happens, but if I flirt with someone else, I'm sorry, that's not, my intention is not to hurt you, and I know that I will go home with you at the end of the night, and I know that, you know, even if I am flirting with someone, I'm typically the type of partner who, like, still kind of misses their partner while they're out. And they're like, oh, like, you know, my partner would just love, like, this really dumb dance move that I'm doing right now. Or like, oh, like, I'm having a great time, but I can't wait to crawl up in bed with them. Which, again, aligns itself pretty well with monogamy, although it's not monogamous exclusive, mm -hmm. right? You know, those those feelings and stuff. I've had quite a few partners, but I haven't actually tried a lot of things. Um, I didn't even, even start using toys until very recently, um, I would say probably like within the last year. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that we've been exploring with. Um, they have toys that they have experimented with previously that I've never tried before, which is exciting for me because I'm like, oh, I don't have to come up with all the ideas. This is awesome. <laughs> um, and they're very open to pretty much trying all sorts of new things. They're very open into bringing other people in the bedroom and all sorts of stuff like that. So it's kind of almost ad hoc where it's like if I was like hey would, would you maybe want to try this they would be very excited about it and you know be very down to try it but we um ironically enough talking about you know the need to try new positions all the time and stuff we're very actually really happy in like missionary and like <laughs> that works for us and that's about it and <laughs> so it's we have a lot of room to explore you know, and I'm sure as we spend more time together, we'll kind of do more and more in bits and pieces and stuff. But I don't feel like I don't have the possibility of exploring. And I don't personally right now have the desire to go explore other people. I used to have this joke with my coworkers that like heterosexual cis vanilla sex is like the kinkiest thing I could think of. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, how weird is that? <laughs> You're like, you, that's what you do? Wow. That gets you off? Whoa. That's right, so right. weird. <laughs> <laughs> it, and that's actually what's, you know, very funny about like, Wait, you know, you're lying on your back? <laughs> you're, you're like, you mean like, it's, it's just PIV? <laughs> like, like n nothing else? And I'm like, yeah <laughs> they're like oh <laughs> so i i do feel very fortunate though that i have a partner who's just really open to trying you know whatever kind of comes along and if they're not they're 
comfortable, at least I hope that they're comfortable. So if my partner is listening to this, I hope <laughs> that you feel comfortable telling me if you don't want to try something. Mm. Do you think there are like certain struggles that are unique? I think maybe that, that some of them are kind of obvious, but to being poly while practicing, a, but, yeah, while practicing monogamy. I mean, do you feel that there is anything that's kind of like weighing on you or a struggle that you have to deal with at all? Um, I would say that probably the biggest like struggle, um, you know, so like there's the obvious struggle of like, oh, like maybe I want to see other people someday, you know, but it's a lot less about that, I would say, of a struggle and more about making sure my partner knows that I am actively choosing to be in a monogamous relationship with you and you don't have to worry about me giving up all these other things you know people are great like yes I am giving them up but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm you know throwing my best days out the window to be with you <laughs> mm-hmm. like you are my best days that's why I'm dating you um so I think that that's that was initially like a pretty big hurdle and again when we originally started dating we weren't even um thinking about opening up the relationship in the sense of other than just bringing other people into the bedroom but I would say that it's really just kind of then tackling like well what would we tell our parents would we tell our parents is that something that we want to share with other people is that something that you know do we do we want to have quote-unquote rules and boundaries and guidelines and stuff like that and I feel like um, within the poly community, there's a lot of pushback against like setting rules. But I think that when you're just opening up, it's very difficult to not have some sort of rules to make baby steps. Um, you know, so if we were to open up tomorrow, I know that it would be very, very difficult for our relationship if I was like suddenly actually full on dating somebody else and was like, well, I'm going to spend my, you know, my night with them two to three times a week and you know I'm going to be having sex with them a lot and all these things and we're going to go on a dates and we're going to be posting pictures together on Facebook and all this kind of stuff you know that's that would be a lot for our relationship it would be a lot for him and it would be a lot for me personally just kind of getting out of like the um, comfort of the predictability of our current relationship so I would say that that's kind of one of the unsung challenges about you know being in a monogamous relationship is just even the thought of opening it up when you are dating someone monogamous that has never been in a poly relationship there are just a lot of things you have to explain and you you have to tell them like I don't have to go do this 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 and this with other people you know I know it's an option but like we don't we don't have to do that just because everybody else is doing that doesn't mean we have to do that as well and kind of just knowing that you have to explain everything from square one you know as opposed to dating someone who already knows what compersion is Mm -hmm. and you know fully understands what the whole like you own your own body concept means you know not that I feel like my partner thinks they own my body by any means but just like that's a that's a whole conversation you have to have just to make sure you're on the same page before you even get to that point. And in monogamy culture, it kind of is assumed that, like, not that you own your partner, but that they're yours, you know, quote unquote. I use quote, like, finger quotes. Uh, not a, doesn't translate on a podcast, but that, yeah, uh, you know, be mine is such a 
concept that is like encouraged in monogamy culture often and it is something you have to unlearn i think consciously unlearn right um and or mine and nobody else's right. i mean the yeah. and nobody else's is sort of implied Impressive. in monogamy mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. but i think calling it out specifically takes a different tone to it well and i think that people are like well why wouldn't you want to be somebody else's i'm like but mm. what kind of a question is that like how <laughs> many people do you know you know that you're okay with only being one person's like why can't you just why can't that one piece person be yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I feel like, you know, that whole, how could you go be with other people and still say you love me comes from a place of insecurity um, and thinking that love means this, 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 and this, and anything less means that you don't love me. Right. And it's also a real scarcity model. Like there's only this much love. And, right. you know, you're, you're, if you don't give me all of yours, then I won't have enough. Right. And it, it, and it's almost ironic in a way, you know, because people who are in monogamous relationships are like, well, you know, if, if we were to be in an open relationship, you, you know, we would stop having sex and, you know, you would go have sex with other people when in reality, those are like the same couples that like haven't had sex for like five years and are married. And you're like, well. You're not losing. You're not even losing anything, right? You know, it's like, well, why not at least try it? And if you hate it, just never mind it, right? (laughs) And if it's working for other people, then just be like, wow, well, that's really cool. Good. You know, that's hard. I think it's very hard. And, um, you know, I just think it's very interesting about how people have these perceptions, um, you know, about giving yourself fully to someone i'm like the only person you should be giving yourself fully to someone is yourself you know and hopefully you can find a partner or multiple partners or however many partners you want that can support that you know and if you can't find anybody that can be fully supportive of you should be your own person like don't date anybody (laughs) (laughs) so i think that um at least for me because i i agree that like Going on to Tinder and OkCupid and the plethora of other dating profiles can be somewhat of a fun sport. That's bad. I don't know. Uh, diversion. Hobby, I was going to say that that's like yeah. very like a female like <laughs> approach to it because I've talked to a ton of people who present as male and cis males and stuff like that who are like, Tinder is literally where my soul goes to die. <laughs> they hate it. It's right. Because they, they don't get it. responses. And, I know. And I hate it because in different ways, right? Like, right. I hate it because I get horrible messages. Uh, You're or like, I, I get to. way yeah. more responses than I want. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Actually, that... Age is a relevant variable there. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and because of the like yeah. the um, the way that dating profiles work is often you can cut off at a certain age and you can exclude people and you can exclude poly and monogamous people and you can do all of that. But because it is such a like kind of pastime, and I think for a lot of poly people it can be, it's just like I'm bored. I'm going to open up OkCupid and start matching and unmatching, whatever. Um, I think it'd be really easy to be, as a verb, monogamous if I deleted all of them. <laughs> right? I would never, I mean, other than being in the community. You're like, then I just wouldn't talk to people. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't meet anyone, right? Yeah. So, I mean, was that something that you did right away is like delete profiles or, because you're still part, you're still like a member of the poly community yes. and you still go to events occasionally, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, interestingly enough, I, I don't go to 
events and stuff like that as much as I want to, not because like, oh, I'm in this monogamous relationship, but like my partner keeps me very busy. Sure. He's like, <laughs> but we could do this really cute, fun date thing where we like cook together and we like dance around in our underwear. And I'm like, Ooh, I <laughs> which love. would I rather do? Right, and I'm like, go talk to a bunch of people that I'm not dating, or like dance around <laughs> in my underwear because like the second one is definitely going to always beat the first. Um, not that you guys aren't awesome. <laughs> Let me be clear. No, I get it. But um, if you want to dance around in your underwear <laughs> at a polysocial <laughs> event, I'm sure that people would be fine with it. You're like, I don't think a lot of people would complain. But <laughs> yes, yeah, so I I did delete delete my dating profiles um, just because I found that my time was just absolutely 100% consumed by my partner in a good way. I'd found someone who wants to do everything with me. And I don't have a low burnout threshold. I really like really don't get sick of people like ever. <laughs> so that's why I was able to easily go back to monogamies because I don't really get sick of people ever, 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 which <laughs> can be problematic for my partner. And, you know, but I, I went ahead and deleted these apps because i was like well i don't need to go find anybody else like mm -hmm. i'm just gonna spend all of my time with this one person and they want that you know so i went ahead and deleted it but when we had talked more recently about bringing in another person i had made a profile for the both of us mm -hmm. um and it was like really cute and really cheesy and then i was like Look what I did. I made a thing for us. And I was like, I could activate it any second. You just let me know. <laughs> and and then we ended up having a conversation about it. And we decided we were actually more comfortable with meeting someone that we knew, even though, ironically enough, we had met each other on the same <laughs> app that I... Right. So, it, so it's just kind of funny how those things work out and you know i'm glad that we had a conversation right. about emotions it. aren't logical <laughs> right and so i redeleted it and then i saw a meme recently um that said like dtf stands for down to find out who killed jeffrey epstein so i <laughs> redownloaded again just to make a profile that said that like you know so i i don't really search for people on anymore but it's it's fun to know that I can easily just download it at any time. And if we do ever open the relationship, um, that's an easy option to just pull up again. Yeah. I'm just thinking about deleting my profiles because that would, I don't know why. I think because I've had like literally just okay, keep it because I delete Tinder every five months, you know, whatever. <laughs> right. um, but <laughs> every five uh, minutes. Yeah. But uh, okay, keep it. I've I never delete had... them, but I just like leave them and they yeah, sit there. Yeah, I actually don't delete like... them. And that's a problem because people will continue to like match with me and I don't, I just, I just uninstall the app and it's yeah, still right. live in the yeah, world. Exactly. And then I'll reinstall it and be like, oh no, this is. Yeah, but I mean, I think if people there. see that you haven't responded in three years yeah. they probably yeah. figure they get it you fine. think that they would yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. um but i've had my okcupid profile for i think 12 years that's great that's <laughs> like wow. i didn't even know the app has been around that long it I'll be honest. it's had a different logo and everything it was it was wow. very different it was back just in the day. a web-based thing uh -huh. at first yeah. too oh, oh, beginning, so just, oh yeah i didn't have a back in ancient see, history and I was just, <laughs> then, like, my, my very young self was right. like i just assumed it was only an app no. like tinder no yeah. it was just a website for a long time and it was very questions based like um the, the logo used to be a little um science Beaker with um, oh yeah that's yeah. right cool. because all, everything was like uh, this Based is scientific this is uh, yeah. we're making algorithms you're helping us create a better website so that we can match you with better um, results and so 
like the whole point was going in and answering questions, which now I, I mean, I see so many profiles that are like, you have a 99% match with this person. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, really? And look. Oh, they answered, answered three questions. Exactly. Yeah. Three they know or six that questions. the earth is smaller than the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we match there. So right. then we must be a 99% match. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've had my profile for so long and it is a novel. Every, like I get a, I get a message probably once a week that's like, wow, you have a really long profile. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I keep adding to You're it like, and I, I don't just delete don't want to even explain. <laughs> Explained. I just need you to read it so yeah. we can skip the first I mean, that's like great four months of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also a great way to weed out people because is, if yeah. they have obviously Absolutely. not read it, then you're just like delete, 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 yeah, delete, delete. Super delete. easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I would feel really weird about deleting it and starting over because I've had it for so long. But it would free up a lot of time and energy. <laughs> <laughs> but sure. then you don't so, you have know, anything to do when you go to the bathroom. Exactly. You know, so I, I've had to find <laughs> other avenues. I've had to find other avenues. And for like the three people that follow me on Facebook still but are like very sick of seeing my memes. Like, I'm sorry, I'll download Tinder again soon. So you don't have to, like, I apologize. Earlier, you were talking about, um, and I don't, I don't actually remember what you're talking about, but you went on a tangent about like a divorced person in their 40s putting um, yeah, their thing on eHarmony <laughs> and I want to get married and I want to do all of these things. And I thought, oh my God, that is so literally the opposite of everything I did when I got divorced <laughs> in my 40s. Like, I love that so much. Absolutely did not do eHarmony. Absolutely did not, never intend really to live with another person again, much less get married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, I, the ne- word never and I have a bad relationship so let's not say never but certainly that was not what I was looking for at the time mm-hmm. and I did not anticipate that it would be something I would be likely to be looking for um, does that seem qualified enough like the never thing isn't going to jump out and get me and suddenly I'm going to wake up I'm married and um, I, I, now I'm the one babbling <laughs> I love it no keep babbling you're great yeah but I would actually so and I didn't consider myself poly at the time but i what i would tell people is that i'm i am actively dating like i am out with you and i also date other people i am actively dating and at that point i almost never went on a third date i love that <laughs> like, oh no that's too much pressure that's too much commitment <laughs> that's great i uh i pretty much only filled my profiles with jokes um I I think at one point my profile, like the second line was like, I'm looking for someone that I can both roast and fuck. <laughs> and like, I want to make fun of you if we're dating. Like, if we can't do that back and forth, like, I'm not here for it. Um, but then, of course, I'm like very sensitive. So, like, don't actually right. make fun of me. Because, right. Don't like, roast me much. Just a teeny, teeny, Right. Like, teeny, I, I can like put you on fire. Brown. But careful with that match because I'm like, <laughs> I baby. But, um, yeah, I I usually when I was on dating apps and stuff, I just filled it with jokes. And if there was any slight chance that I was going to match with someone, um, when we met up, I was like, hey, just so you know, like, even before I would start kissing them, I would kind of like do my own little background spiel. I'm like, I'm currently sleeping with however many number of people or no one or whatever. And I would actually start off then right after that and say, it has been this long since I've gotten my last STD test, and I've been with this many partners since then. And I think that that really set a tone for whoever I was talking to that, like, those are important things that matter to me, number one, because it's the first thing I've said. And second of all, you can trust at least what I'm saying because I'm being open and honest with you. I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you and be like, 
I haven't had sex with a single person in any way, shape, or form since the last time I got an STD test, and maybe I've had like six partners, right? I'll just be like, yeah, you know, I've um, like had unprotected sex with three people, currently still having unprotected sex with two other people. This is kind of, you know, this is what they've told me that their situation is. They're not seeing anybody else, or maybe they're also still dating around and stuff like that you know, do with that information with what you would like. Because if that doesn't work for you, or if that makes you uncomfortable, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I've assumed that we are probably not a good fit. Well, and it's and it's not even that we're necessarily a good fit in the long run. But it's just like, if, if that makes you uncomfortable, don't have sex with someone who makes you uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. or don't be like, suddenly concerned after the fact, if you find out I'm sleeping with other people, you know, now you don't have to worry about all that like ignorant bliss <laughs> that you could go through in between then you're just like fully prepared fully knowledgeable and if you ever need you know if you decide to go get an std test right after we have um you know sex of any sort of genital touching or fluid bonding or anything like that then you can bring that information to your doctor you can be prepared when you have those conversations so i mean that's uh, the definition of risk aware sex like just knowing the risk Going into it, no, right. making yeah. choices, yeah, exactly. And I think consensual sex, right? Like you, you should know what you're getting into. Um, yes, it's not necessarily anyone's business but your own, but it is. It is good information to to know and share and and have when going in. Otherwise, the only real safe way to go into sex is well, the only true safe way is to not. And right, it's not really a good option. <laughs> not yeah, for most I'm like, people. That's, that's, gonna work right. that's a whole different conversation right. yeah although we should talk to someone who's celibate that would be interesting i love that, <laughs> I love that for you or asexual yeah. i mean celibate asexual uh whatever the case may be aromantic um all of those things yeah. would be mm-hmm. good topics was there anything specifically about monogamish or poly or or maybe your like future journey that you wanted to talk about um i don't know if i necessarily have anything else that like i'm dying to talk about but i think it's just as like an aside, it's been nice to find a partner who, um, you know, because there's this huge push for communication in poly. And I always assumed I would have to kind of piecemeal great communication together. Um, not that you guys aren't, you know, great at communication, but I think people just kind of inherently suck at communication yeah. sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of assumed I was going to have to settle for less than the utmost communication. And I feel very fortunate and I think the reason why we're able to work in a monogamish relationship is because um, we have such a high level of communication. As we go forward, if we do decide to open up the relationship, I know that the communication will continue. And I know that if it ever gets to be too much or if we ever decide to close back the relationship or if we decide it's you know not working out or whatever, I know that that backbone of openly communicating about things and understanding that I might feel hurt or they might feel hurt, but the conversation needs to be had. And what I'm saying isn't with the intent to hurt you. It's just what it is. Um, I think that that's been just really transformative for pretty much my perspective, both on monogamous relationships, poly relationships and relationships as a whole, but also, um, you know, what I would look for in the future if I had to or if I would like to, or, you know, whatever it might end up being. I guess to wrap things up, I know you said that you had a little bit of blowback from the community when you decided to like Mm -hmm. consciously be monogamous. 
Do you have advice for other poly people who are maybe entering monogamous relationships when it comes to like maybe dealing with the community or or, or anything or identity? Um, I think just having faith in your decision, you know, because it can be very easy to second guess, you know, what you're doing or like, oh, I've been poly for, you know, a couple months or a couple years or a couple decades. Like if you're entering into a new type of relationship, have faith in that decision and trust that the communication and conversation will carry you through to wherever the end destination is with that, you know, whether that's a we're going to die old and alone together, (laughs) you know, or we're going to die old and happy together, or we're going to be separated or, you know, whatever the outcome might be from that relationship, having faith in the communication that you bring to it. And then just knowing that, you know, there may come a time when you want to open it back up or you may want to close it or whatever. And just communication, which I'm sure I can like pull those flags out <laughs> of my pocket at any point in time for the amount of communication that we talk about in both the podcast and in the group and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm, great. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I think this was a super interesting conversation that we obviously have never covered because we yeah. usually talk to poly, poly people, <laughs> people poly who are poly. in poly, yeah. poly relationships. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, well, yeah, thanks very much for agreeing to be interviewed yeah, or offering to be interviewed, offering, I guess. Agreeing, yeah. whatever Both, all of the above. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember... We love you. Bye.